like a fetish club for your ears. Grab a hot drink and turn down the lights. Coming across the airwaves and into bedrooms everywhere, BDSM United is bringing you non-violent, consensual, kink education. This isn't for the kiddos or for the cookie-cutter conservative vanilla prunes. We'll be talking bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism, and more today on this BDSM United podcast. I'm Primal Piggy. Thank you for joining us for another BDSM United podcast in our Slave Training podcast series. Uh, Today's episode is going to be a little longer than the others because it contains some footage or some scenes from a previous podcast. Uh, Slave positions are a big part of establishing and practicing the protocol within Dynamics. Uh, They give the submissive clearly defined body language and behavior to use in most any situation. They also empower the submissive or the slave to act on an established known standard versus having to ask or wonder what is expected of them. They also serve as a way of demonstrating to the dominant master and others their knowledge of and proficiency with protocol. This can be and often is a matter of pride and honor among slaves. The methodology behind specific slave positions serves a purpose as well. The goal behind every position is to violate the slave's instinctive self-protection instincts by exposing vulnerable regions of the body. They also emphasize feelings of helplessness and being at the mercy of another person. This is done by constructing each position to work against the natural body adjustment and forcing the slave to concentrate fully on their body positioning and alignment. This subsequently is intended to help increase their attention level and their concentration. Daily practice of uh, slave positions also increases the slave's ability to properly conduct them and remain in these positions for longer periods of time. Most slaves will not be able to kneel properly for more than a few minutes at a time initially. With anything that requires unique muscle groups and pressure points on the body, practice really does make perfect. In our previous podcast series on BDSM slave training, we went through many of the common positions. And here is an edited version of that podcast. Now, note that if you are watching this on YouTube, you can actually see the pictures of the positions as we discuss them. You can find that uh, on BDSMunited.com. You can find our YouTube channel to where you can watch this podcast. If you're listening, we try as well to describe uh, what the positions look like and and how they are to be held. Um, Please note that you may need to make modifications based on the health and the well-being of your specific slave and your specific or your specific submissive uh, who will be doing these different positions. Uh, For example, somebody in a wheelchair may need a modification. They may not be able to kneel, but they can still do a modified version of these slave positions.
Uh, the first position is stand. It's also known as display inspection or attention. Um, that would be the 1C. No, no, sorry. Uh, no, 1A one, one there. And so um, it really provides a structured and a focused body position for the submissive to use when told to stand in a specific location for a specific amount of time. Um, now, uh, we'll talk about the position, the position, what it's kind of used for, and then what's unique to protocol training is it's not just um, uh, standing or kneeling or being in a certain position. There's, a, there's psychology to this. And so this position demonstrates the submissive's attention, focus, level of expertise uh, through proper use of this position. To the submissive, this position, like all other positions, is an opportunity to demonstrate their obedience and knowledge to their, demo, uh, to their dominant or any others that are pre present. And so the, um, the correct performance is, is, is a matter of pride in their performance. And uh, uh, it's important to remember in this position and most of the positions that we'll talk about today, the legs are never closed, thus allowing free access both physically and visually to the genital area. For females, uh, the breasts are generally fully exposed and they're never covered by the hair. Uh, this enhances the submissive's vulnerability and mental mindset at being at the mercy of other persons. And so these may be, un it may be a little uncomfortable for you at the beginning, but it's a... Uh, uh, it will help a submissive see that the dominant is also fully accepting of the way that the submissive looks. Um, it, it is as a dominant, it is your opportunity to be to to show that you are pleased with your submissive, and to to show them that you are uh, uh, that maybe even perhaps you lust after them. It, it shows that you're accepting, that they don't have to hide things from you. They don't have to hide their body from you. They can be vulnerable to you and you are accepting of them. And so, uh, um, let's see, uh, uh, you know, body positions, they can be done either fully clothed or naked. Um, it's really at the discretion of, of the dominant and it's at the consent of the submissive. Uh, in the end, it will only increase the submissive's focus, concentration, physical, and emotional bonding while building confidence and trust in the dominant. See, there's the, that's the goal right there. They, we want to build confidence and trust in the dominant. And so um, let's see here. Um, psycholo psychologically, this can be the most intense position for a submissive. It's not uncommon for a submissive to be given strict instructions not to move, speak, or cry out in any way while being physically inspected by the dominant. Uh, this sounds easy enough in theory until the dominant begins to sexually stimulate the submissive or inflict any kind of pain on them. The position would be nearly impossible to retain if the dominant should choose to stimulate the submissive to orgasm in the process. So the emotional and psychological ramifications can be intense. And so, really, the submissive stands with their legs approximately shoulder-width apart. Legs are straight. Knees are not locked. We don't want you passing out. Um, the back should be straight. Uh, female submissives should have their breasts uh, 
thrust slightly forward, uh, as if proudly displayed, and the head is kept straight, facing forward, uh, not downcast, not looking around, but eyes are kept slightly downcast. Uh, if someone were to be standing in front of the submissive, the eyes should be at about shoulder level and fixed, not looking around. Um, it shows a little bit of submission not to look in the eyes of your dominant unless told to. Uh, for the attention uh, variation, uh, that is the 1A. Attention, the, the hands are behind the back, clasping the opposite forearm in an interlocking position. And so this kind of enhanced the breasts by kind of pulling them forward, uh, slightly bowing the lower back. Uh, for 1B, for the display or in the inspection position, uh, here we go, yeah, the, the arms are raised and the hands are joined behind the back of the head with the fingers interlocked. Um, if your hair is loose, you, you grab it up in your hands kind of behind your back here uh, so that uh, the neck and the shoulders uh, uh, are, uh, are exposed and free of loose hair. So that way you can uh, see the ears and you can see the neck. And, and, uh, and then 1C is the basic stand position. The arms should be at the submissive sides with the palms facing forward and forward in a line and along the outside of the thighs, fingers should be extended in a comfortable position. And so the, there is a, you know, you want your, your, your palms to be seen. And so, <coughs> excuse me. Stand is typically used to simply have the submissive stand in a given location and wait for their instructions. Uh, display is used to display the submissive for the dominance inspection in one form or another. While the submissive may stand unnoticed by anyone in attention, uh, the display is for the viewing uh, of the dominant, like a physical inspection. And attention is used to put the submissive in a heightened state of focus in anticipation of further commands. And so the, that was stand here. Um, let's go to the next one, I believe. Yeah, there we go. And uh, the next position is kneel. And uh, as you as with stand, kneel has a couple different variants, like uh, uh, just like stand had. And so uh, the purpose of kneeling is this position is one of the most commonly used uh, when talking or lecturing or teaching a submissive. The submissive can be placed in a kneeling position while being spoken to. Uh, if a submissive is walking with or uh, following a dominant, it's typically expected that the submissive will automatically assume a kneeling position when the dominant stops or pauses for more than a few seconds. It's the classic waiting to be of service position and should be used as an automatic response by the submissive when waiting to gain a dominant's attention or simply, simply being told to wait and not giving any other specific uh, position to wait in. In the case of the kneeling presentation position, it's used as an inspection position, a lot like the standing inspection, where the submissive is displayed for inspection or collaring while remaining in the kneeling position. So the, psycho the, the psychology of this, again, is it's a classic submissive posture signifying the submissive's submission to a dominant and willingness to serve the dominant in some manner, or simply to show that the submissive is in a 
tendons to the dominant. In other words, this position is used to mentally tell the dominant that submissive is ready and waiting to serve the dominant's needs. Again, this is always consensual, and we're finding um, fulfillment in the dominant feeling more dominant and the submissive expressing more submission. And so psychologically, it serves to put the submissive in a deepened state of submission and empower the submissive to be able to make a choice in what they should do if they're attending a dominant but not having been given a given direction yet. By kneeling, this position also puts the submission's eye level almost always lower than the dominant's eye level. And this is a naturally submissive position psychologically to the dominant. Uh, nothing can be more confusing for a submissive than to find themselves attending to or serving a dominant only to suddenly find themselves standing alone or without direction. Remember, dominance, you are in charge. And so um, uh, you, put your, you put your submissive in positions or, your, or teach your submissive these positions so that they are always prepared uh, for you. By kneeling, the submissive can act on an assumed command and still feel in service while simply waiting till the dominant calls on them again, while, uh, you know, uh, rather than being without direction and trying to guess what they should do next. Um, let's look at the description here. The submissive kneels on their knees with their feet extended behind them. Toes should be extended to the tops, so the tops of the feet are on the ground while the body is kept straight and upright, not sitting backwards on the feet. So you're, you know, kneeling is like a kind of like a, the the two A here is um, um, let's see, uh, knees should be shoulder width apart to expose the genital area, thus creating easy access for the dominant. The stomach is pulled in, breast or chest, breast or the chest is out, and the head is straight forward while the eyes are slightly downcast. The arms are placed behind the back, and the hands will grasp uh, the opposing forearms. Uh, this, again, causes the breast or the chest to be slightly kind of bowed out. And so, um, there are, you know, borrowing somewhat from the Gorean slave positions is the 2B and the 2C. Um, one is called the tower, and one is called the nadu positions. Tower is very similar to a sitting position, but more formalized keeping the legs closed, um, and the nadu is, is designed to expose or display the slave, the slave or submissive while kneeling before the master or the dominant. And so um, when calling on a submissive to a dominant to serve in some way, the kneeling position should be the ready position that the submissive assumes unless they're told to stand. And so... Uh, for instance, if the submissive is bringing a dominant something to drink, the submissive should assume the kneeling position when they arrive at the dominant's feet and wait with the drink extended for the dominant to take when desired. <coughs> Excuse me, my voice gets kind of dry when I teach. Uh, it's the dominant's choice if there is a verbal statement to accompany the act of kneeling or not. But in most cases, it's traditional for the submissive to assume this classic submissive posture when serving the dominant's immediate presence. 
The kneeling presentation position uh, can be used for collaring, collaring ceremonially or for like personal inspection of the submissive's body. And so we have uh, uh, the next one will be a kneeling presentation uh, variation here. Um, let me go to the next slide here. Here we go. And so, although similar to the kneeling position, kneeling presentation is used as a more formal kneel when the submissive is to be physically inspected or to take restraints and collars on or off. There's also more of a collaring position. We'll see that in a moment. Uh, this position, like many of the uh, submissive positions, signifies the submission's Submissive's submission to the dominant. That's kind of wordy. Sorry about that. And displays the submissive physically for the dominant's inspection. In other words, the position is used to mentally tell the dominant that the submissive is ready and waiting to be used, inspected, put in restraints, collared, or serve the dominant's needs as the dominant positions, uh, dominant wishes. And so um, I, I like to always make sure that my submissive especially when we're seeming together that um, that restraints are put on on the wrists uh, that uh, making sure that uh, if if I'm gonna change from her day collar to a play collar I would do that any other kind of um, uh, ankle restraints are going to be put on or thigh restraints something like that but at least um, generally at least ankles and wrists just to allow it to uh, take that moment to pause, uh, to um, show her that she is owned, to put, you know, to slowly put them on, to whisper into her ear that she belongs to me, um, to really take that time to slow down, take a deep breath, um, get her in that, um, in that mindset of submission. And so this position is a great one for something like that. Um, and so, uh, it also allows me to inspect and make sure that she's ready for me. Uh, this position puts the submissive in a very vulnerable state physically, mentally, and emotionally. When in the kneeling presentation, the submissive is in a form of mental bondage, typically instructed not to move or look around as they await the dominant to place them in some sort of physical restraint or take free access to look upon, touch, tease, torment, torture consensually, of course, well, often the submissive is instructed to be naked when placed in this position, um, you know, or quite often they're instructed to be naked in this position, but it is really at the dominant's discretion. So basically the dominant kneels on their knees with their feet extended behind them. Toes should be extended so the tops of the feet are on the ground while the body is kept straight and upright, not, not sitting backward on the feet now, kneeling up on their knees. Uh, knees should be shoulder-width apart to expose, expose the genital area for easy access. Stomach is pulled in, breasts or chest is out, and head is straight forward while eyes are slightly looking down, slightly downcast. The arms are raised and the hands are brought to the back of the head with the fingers interlocked. Again, if you have long hair, hair should be pulled back in, in, your, in your hands, pulled back in your hands so that you can see the ears and that the neck is is exposed, and the um, uh, you know any hair is really kind of pulled back. Uh, elbows should be pulled back as far as possible, 
extending the breast or the chest slightly forward and fully exposed for inspection. So there is a certain, you know, there are certain details there to, um, to you know, put into place with these physicians. And so they, they are meant to, um, again, they're meant to um, uh, feed into the submissive nature of a submissive and to kind of bring vulnerability there so that uh, trust and emotional, uh, emotional, emotional trust and emotional bonding can be made between the dominant and the submissive. Uh, again, this is for like collaring, removing or placing on restraints or other devices. Um, if the dominant wanted to insert a toy, for instance, uh, this may be a position that they would use um, or for physical inspection. So the next position that we're going to look at, and I realize that some of these are kind of simple, but I wanted to go through these. I wanted to um, look at them. Uh, these are really basic. This is a basic 101. Slave positions is a really great thing that we can pull from the MS dynamic and pull from the high protocol dynamic and really begin to use in our everyday uh, relationship dynamics of any type uh, um, in order to help our submissives be more submissive and help us as dominants uh, put in more structure into our relationship so that um, because it really helps us be more dominant. The next one is going to be the sitting position. There we go, the sitting position here. Um, this, the purpose of the sitting position is to allow the submissive to sit in attendance to the dominant in some manner to await a dominant without keeping the submissive in uh, a kneeling position because it's you know much less comfortable. Um, with many of the slaves, slave positions, the uncomfortable nature of the positions um, limit the usage for short periods of time. Eventually, legs start to go numb or arms cramp. Uh, standing submissives may lock their may tend to lock their knees and pass out. So, the, a sitting position helps prevent mishaps from happening, uh, giving the submissive a more comfortable and relaxed position while still maintaining a formal attendance to a dominant. And so, um, uh, we definitely want to take always take safety into account. And so um, we want our uh, we want our submissives to be submissive, but we always want we want them to be safe at the same time. And so uh, when things start to go numb or circulation starts to become a problem, uh, it can it can be a safety issue. And so we we definitely want um, we definitely take pride in in our property. The submissive will often want to remain close to a dominant and in their service, even beyond the formal activities involved between a dominant and a submissive. The sitting and the rest positions were created to allow this with some increased comfort, although still somewhat formal and uncomfortable. The sitting position can be formed, performed for much longer intervals than the kneeling position. The body positioning with the sitting position also serves to remind submissives that they're in service, thus vulnerable to the dominant's gaze, touch, and use. Um, as a relaxed form of the kneeling position, the knees should remain shoulder-width apart, but instead of kneeling upright, the buttocks is now lowered to come to rest on the top of the heels. 
and the feet remain extended with the tops of the feet to the floor while the arms are raised to the uh, submissive side. The hands are placed behind the back, gripping the opposite forearm. Again, it helps push out the chest or the breast out, outwards slightly. And the submissive's availability to the dominant or to serve in some manner. And so there signifies that they're, uh, they're available. The uh, back remains straight. The breast through the chest, again, slightly outward. The head straight. And the eyes are slightly downcast. It's the dominant's discretion, but often the submissive is per permitted to turn their head and look around while in the sitting position. This can be an assumed liberty or one that's specifically given by the dominant uh, when the liberty is granted. <coughs> Excuse me. Of uh, course, this is commonly used by submissives when the dominant instructs the submissive to simply remain in attendance or at the dominant side or feet while the dominant sits, socializes with other dominants, or is in some other manner engaged beyond giving direction to the submissive. The possible uh, situations for this are somewhat, like all, all the positions are somewhat em endless. They're, they're limited to the dominant's creativity. And so, again, it's easy to go from the, uh, from the sitting position here to a kneeling position rather quickly. You just kind of lean up uh, forward and get up off of the, uh, off of the, get back up onto the knees. And so now let's look at the rest position. Again, these are all somewhat uh, rather easy. And so, uh, but we want to give a formality to how our, um, you know, to how our, how we interact with our submissive and how our submissive interacts with us as a dominant. So this is both a mental and a physical relaxation position for the submissive, which allows the submissive to remain in service, yet have the liberty of moving around and shifting their weight, uh, preventing their limbs from cramping or going numb. Remember, uh, so like I said, safety is really important. Um, we want to take really good care of our property when we own a person, we want to take really good care of them. Uh, the submissive is permitted or required to remain close or in attendance uh, for extended periods of time, but not required to remain in a formal posture while in attendance to the dominant. The dominant may realize that the submissive will be kneeling for some time before being allowed to get up, so the dominant would simply command the submissive to rest. Uh, from a mental aspect, being instructed to rest gives the submissive a break from the constant mental concentration of the other positions and serves somewhat as a reward for performing their required positions in service to the dominant well. In many ways, the command rest is like being told well done and or like good girl. Um, the name says it all from both a physical and a mental aspect. And so... Um, if possible, make sure that you um, reward good behavior. Um, that's always a good thing. It is always psychologically a good thing to give people rewards um, or give your submissives rewards. And so, uh, uh, you know, think about ways that you can incorporate rest into uh, into this into the the formality of slave positions, or you know, give your uh, your submissive 
a brief amount of break uh, from uh, all of the formality, even in a scene. And so just think about ways that you can incorporate that. Be creative. Uh, typically done from a kneeling or sitting position, the, the rest position is accompanied by sitting first on the heel of the feet, as in the sit position, then lowering the buttocks to one side or the other till the submissive is sitting on the floor directly. The legs and feet are adjusted to be to the side, yet still bent, with the feet kept close to the buttocks. The arms are lowered to a comfortable position at the submissive's side, sides or lap. However, the submissive is permitted to look around, talk, and move as necessary within the allowed constraints of the position to be com as comfortable as possible. Um, it's really at the dominant's discretion, uh, though, how much they're allowed to look around or talk. Uh, this can be include this can include shifting from side to side to keep the legs from going numb or cramping. The back should be kept fairly straight. This is a relaxed position, which serves to give the submissive a break from the other formal, more formal positions while keeping them in close attendance as desired. And the position is used anytime the submissive is allowed a break to rest without being formally dismissed or released from service. And so they're still there. They're still present. Uh, they're still in service at a moment's notice. Uh, they're not released. They're in rest until they can be called to kneel. They can be called to stand. They can be called to present. They can be called uh, called up to another position from rest. And, and they can really be moved from position to position at the dominant's discretion. Well, let's look at a collaring position. And this is a good one. This is really useful, especially in scenes. Let me pull it up here. There we go. Uh, this is a really great one. I, I like this one. The, the name says it all for this position. It's used anytime a dominant wishes to place on or remove a collar from the submissive's neck. Now, sometimes people move from, uh, have different collars for different purposes. Uh, sometimes during training, they will put a collar on if they don't typically wear a collar. Uh, sometimes it's more of like a play collar with like like a thicker leather with, uh, with D-rings or whatnot. Um, or, uh, in the morning time, uh, the, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, sometimes submissives won't sleep in their collars. And so a lot of times in the morning time before they leave for work or before they leave out for the day, uh, a dominant will, uh, put the submissive in the collaring position so that they can formally place the collar and lock it on the, on the submissive to then taking the key with them. And so if they are a key holder like that, uh, it, uh, many practi practitioners of DS and MS will tend to use the position, the kneeling or the standing presentation position for placing or removing a collar from a submissive's neck. Um, but uh, this is somewhat borrowed from the Korean lifestyle. Um, it, it's its own position. Everyone has their own position. Uh, preference, but this is somewhat of a specialized position. I like it because uh, the um, uh, just the, the submissive, uh, if I'm standing, the submissive is, is below me. It's easier to kind of bend and kind of put the collar on that way. Then, uh, uh, and so I like that. I also like that the arms are up. If we want to put on restraints in this position, that would be good. 
And so the collar is a symbol, of course, of of power of a power exchange dynamic, and the uh, the act of placing on or removing a collar is also symbolic. And so this is a real uh, formal position here. Uh, if the dominant puts the proper emphasis on the importance of both the symbol and the rituals tied to the collars, then the submissive will see it with equal respect and admiration. And so within the mind of most every submissive is the desire to see their dominant demonstrate the importance of the collar. This act deepens the importance and draws attention to the collar for what it is meant to be. As with all rituals, repetition and attention to detail reinforce the deeper meaning behind the ritual. For this reason, rarely you'll find a submissive who does not want to spend time and extra effort to conduct this ritual properly each and every time. For most, uh, for most, cheapening the ritual reflects directly upon the perceived importance that the collar holds in the dominant's mind. Uh, who wants to feel like it doesn't mean anything to their dominant? Along those same lines, most want to feel the same importance put on the act of collaring every time it's done, just as it was the first time they felt its weight upon their neck. And this is a psychological response to something so profound. Most dominants choose this and or one of the other positions for collaring to be among the, the first the submissive will learn for those reasons. Uh, it's also common to find a complete lack of formality used uh, in, in, the, in the collaring that is done by a top or a bottom practitioner. And we want to definitely, sometimes uh, collars can be more informal in a DS or a DDLG dynamic or the uh, comparable CGL type or um, Dom A submissive, you know, just any gender uh, combination that you, uh, that, that is your dynamic. But, uh, oftentimes these, uh, it's more informal in a DS or a DDLG, like I said, and, uh, but we definitely want to begin to borrow more. We want to shape the community that we want to see. We want uh, uh, more emphasis to be put on uh, the formality and the ritual of the caller. It's a good thing for your dynamic, and it's a good thing for our community. Um, it's a good thing for relationships. So really the description of this is the submissive uh, sits on... Uh, on bended knees, the knees, knees are spread approximately shoulder-width apart, so no part of the body is hidden from the dominant's view. Um, the buttocks are resting on the heels. The head is leaned forward, with the, uh, and the submissive looks downward towards the dominant's feet with any long hair pulled to one side so that the neck is bare and easily accessible. And the arms are extended forward, and they're crossed at the wrist, with the fingers extended in a comfortable position, uh, hands should be slightly higher than the head when they perform the position properly. This allows for the placement of wrist restraints as well, if the dominant chooses to. Uh, ankle and uh, waist restraints could also be applied uh, in this position. Um, and okay, and so it's considered disrespectful to the collar itself to simply place on or remove the collar as if it were a simple piece of jewelry. Let me repeat that again. 
It is considered disrespectful to the collar itself if it's placed on or removed as if it were a simple piece of jewelry. And so it's also somewhat taboo for a submissive to remove or place it on themselves. Naturally, such a symbol requires an equally symbolic ritual to give it the respect it deserves. It's for this reason that there are designated positions like this this one used for collaring or removing a collar from a submissive's neck. It's also important <coughs> it's also important to me um, to emphasize that putting restraints on like uh, you don't have you wouldn't typically want your submissive to put on their own restraints. You want to take the care and concern of putting them on, like I said, whispering things into your into their ear, telling them who they are to you, uh, telling them uh, what they are to you, and uh, uh, you you can you know use any kind of language that you prefer. But typically, uh, dominant, you want to be the one putting the collar on the submissive, and you want to be the one putting the restraints on the submissive, and so. Uh, the um, well, we may look at some of the rituals later in in training, not today, but in in the in future videos. Uh, let me the next one here. I'm not trying to be super long with this, but I do want to go through a few more positions here. Um, you can really fast forward or rewind this video once it's posted. Of course, it's live right now, but once it's posted, you can kind of scroll through. Uh, and you can always fast forward through my commentary uh, and just kind of uh, stop and uh, pick and choose. Uh, I'm, I'm not worried about that. Uh, I definitely want the training to be, uh, to, I want the material, I want to give the material all the room that it needs. Uh, these are all really important things. Um, and a lot of times there's not, there are not a whole lot of trainings on the actual positions. Oftentimes you got to read them in a book or uh, you can watch a video where people do them, but they don't explain them oftentimes. They don't often tell you the psychology behind them. And that's what I wanted to do in this video. Uh, the very next one here is uh, called Requesting Punishment. Uh, its use is when the submissive has committed an offense or broken one of the dominance rules the submissive should present themselves to the dominant as soon as possible uh, and request to be punished for their offense. <laughs> and so when a submissive knows that they have uh, knows or that they've broken an offense or thinks that they have, they should present themselves to the dominant and request to be punished for that offense. Uh, this is not limited to actual offenses, but to any act or situation where the uh, submissive feels they need to act, ask forgiveness, assume responsibility, or in any in any way be accountable for some form of wrongdoing. Uh, after all, there's nothing fair about the life of a submissive, the life that a submissive lives uh, under the rules and discretion of the dominant. And so, use of this position does not guarantee punishment. But it does signify the acknowledgement or awareness that punishment may be required of them. And uh, uh, 
some dominants may opt to use this position as part of a preparation for actual punishment to come. For instance, the dominant confronts their submissive, informs them of an infraction of the rules, and tells them to go to the designated location where punishment will occur and assume the requesting punishment position while they wait for the dominant's arrival. Um, and so some go as far as to tell the submissive to retrieve the in instrument of the impending punishment and place it on the floor in front of them while they wait. And so to add fuel to the fire, it's quite common for the dominant to the, require the submissive to verbalize their request to be punished for the stating offense before carrying out the punishment. And so, of course, this is one of the most traumatic positions for a submissive psych psychologically. While everything in their mind may be screaming at them to run or hide, they must face the dominant with their actions, offer themselves to be punished in any way the dominant deems appropriate. According to the, um, the dominant will at this point already know, they will already be through uh, ne through negotiations in a contract part and uh, of some degree, at least even a training, at least for a training contract. And so they'll know the, the dominance limits, uh, hard and soft limits, and so uh, they will be able to punish within the limits I mean, uh, because we want to maintain consent. Um, actual guilt often is not even a factor when the mere thought of punishment being necessary can be enough to drive the submissive to this ritual and put the final decision on the matter in the dominant's hands. Uh, it's never an easy thing for a submissive to do since true punishment is never fun. It's always dreaded by the submissive if done properly. This isn't uh, a position you would use for punishments, for instance. This is a position where you think, where as a submissive, you think you've done something wrong or you know that you have done something wrong and that the dominant hasn't caught you doing something wrong uh, necessarily, but you caught yourself doing something wrong and you offer up yourself for punishment knowing that you did wrong because you, as a submissive, ultimately have integrity. And if you fail in your integrity, then you are not just failing yourself, you're also failing your dominant. And so, because you are a, you as a submissive are a direct reflection of your dominant. And so your dominant's character and integrity is in question if you are doing things outside of your integrity. If you're making mistakes and, and, and breaking rules, then, and you know you've done it, then you need to offer yourself up for punishment and uh, and uh, let the dominant know when you've done something wrong, even if they they don't know that you've done something wrong. So this formal request to be punished with no knowledge of what the outcome will be demonstrates a huge amount of trust on the part of the submissive, as well as obedience to the rules that the dominant has set forth. It should not be taken lightly by the dominant that needs to ensure patience and wisdom dictate their actions upon finding a submissive requesting punishment this way. In other words, they're turning themselves in and throwing themselves on the mercy of the court, <laughs> who just happens to be also the judge, jury, and executioner. And so we definitely want to have somewhat of patience, somewhat of empathy, um, 
oftentimes just this position alone is somewhat of a punishment in and of itself. And so if the infraction is severe, it may require actual um, uh, something like impact uh, as a punishment or or some, you know, uh, some type of instrument to be used. Uh, but oftentimes just seeing the submissive putting themselves in this position is somewhat of a punishment all in itself. The submissive rests on their knees, uh, parted uh, shoulder width apart, bodies lean forward till their forehead is resting on the floor. Wrists and ankles should be crossed, but the elbows are parted comfortably to support the body weight without applying too much pressure on the forehead. So your forehead's on the ground, but your arms are your arms are somewhat holding your weight. The submissive buttocks should be lowered to rest somewhat on the back of the legs. And uh, some dominants prefer the submissive be nude when requesting punishment, but this is, again, at the discretion of the dominant. And uh, uh, there are two typical scenarios in which requesting punishment is often used. The first, again, is when the submissive knowingly has done something wrong deserving of punishment and chooses to confess. And uh, this is the when the submissive requests punishment without being told to do so. And the second scenario is when the dominant decides that punishment may be necessary and uh, opts to make the submissive uh, ask for it to show they're willing to take responsibility for actions or the dominant wishes to make the submissive think about what is to come in a deserving in a deserving punishment, or the dominant wishes to interrogate the submissive prior to making a final de uh, decision on impending punishment. And uh, some dominants will send the submissive to a designated location where punishment is always carried out and tell them to place the normally used paddle or whip in front of them, uh, in front of their cross wrist uh, while they wait in the requesting position. And so let's go to the next one here. Uh, and this is the actual uh, punishment position. Uh, unlike the requesting position, the punishment position is used for the actual Im implementation of physical corporal punishment to the submissive. It's presumed by the use of this position that the physical punishment will consist of striking the buttocks with a hand or an implement and so uh, uh, some uh, dominants may prefer to have their submissive in a different position when punishing them. If you have like a St. Andrew's cross, you may tell your, them to go face the cross. Um, this position puts the submissive's body in a stable position so that they can take the blows of a hand, a whip, a crop, a cane, a paddle, or some other device without being... Uh, knocked out of position from the weight of the weight of the blows, and so they're able to take the punishment while still maintaining the position. Position. It's also easy, an easy transition to uh, to assume from other positions, and then uh, after this one, after they have received the punishment, they can rise up to a kneeling position, for instance, and wait for their instructions. Uh, from a psychological standpoint, the physical position of the submissive is placed, uh, the submissive is placed, makes them very emotionally and physically vulnerable. 
Their, bu their buttocks are elevated and ready to receive the punishment at any moment, um, which in most cases heightens the submissive's mental state with anxiety and self-reflection uh, over what got them in this position in the first place, as well as what's, what, you know, the impending punishment. Uh, if the dominant takes their time before inflicting the actual blows, and this is important, remember, in a lot of these, th in a lot of your dynamics, slow down, slow down. Don't take your time as a dominant. Um, they are, uh, the submissive is, is, is waiting, you know, should be left waiting for you uh, for, you know, for at least a moment. And so uh, if the dominant takes their time before inflicting the actual blows, the submissive will probably have already punished themselves far greater than any physical pain ever could. The actual spanking or impact that follows will then typically only serve as a reinforcement and a release of the offense, allowing the submissive to move on from the incident free of guilt or fear over what happened. From a psychological standpoint, the act of physical punishment is meant to cleanse the submissive of their wrongdoing and put it forever in the past. The position is to is designed to support that mental goal while being functional functional for actually implementing the punishment. So, uh, this position is similar to the requesting punishment, but uh, the submissive raises up their buttocks high in the air uh, as the punishment position is assumed with their thighs more vertical and their ankles uncrossed. The feet should be uh, parted shoulder width apart in line with their knees and the tops of their feet uh, against the floor in a stable manner. Uh, sometimes um, some punishments are done on the bottoms of the feet, so you definitely want to have the feet up. And the wrists are uncrossed and the hands are extended with the palms fat on the floor, bracing yourself. The submissive's upper body weight should be resting on the arms from the elbow to the fingertips on the floor. The head should be turned to allow the left or the right cheek to also rest on the floor. This lowering of the cheek to the floor combined with the hand movements aid in elevating the buttocks even higher where the leg movements expose the genitals to the dominant's blow should the dominant choose to strike more than the buttocks. Uh, as mentioned briefly in the psychology, in the, you know, in the psychology section, it greatly enhances the stability of of the position, uh, you know, so that they can maintain this formal position even while they're being punished. And so, uh, the submissive is typically instructed to assume this position by the dominant. Uh, if there's a standard location and, and direction. The submissive has been previously told to face. They'll do it appropriately. Um, and so um, the dominant may, of course, opt to leave the submissive in this position for a lecture or to reflect on what is to come before making the actual punishment. And uh, uh, when the actual blow or the actual uh, impact occurs, it's common for the dominant to require the submissive to verbally, to respond verbally to each blow. Uh, the response may be to count them, to thank the dominant, or both. In any cases, it's most common for the, that the submissive should be uh, uh, in the position and motionless before the next blow is given. So if it jars you and you 
if you were to fall in any way, you you would go back up to the position before the next uh, next blow. Uh, what this means is that um, if you wince or move, um, you know you shouldn't out of fear or whatnot. You the dominant will pause till the submissive regains their composure of the position. And the dominant may also wait for the submissive to give the proper response if they fail to do so. Uh, another common practice is to restart the count back to zero or the last good count. If the submissive doesn't count, loses count, doesn't hold the position, doesn't respond appropriately, a submissive who can't control can't keep control of their physical and verbal responses can be in for a longer punishment session. And the release from punishment, this is real important, uh, the release from the punishment position is usually followed by after uh, aftercare by the dominant and reassurance that the incident is over and in the past. All of these symbolize the conclusion of the punishment for the submissive. So remember to, uh, to do aftercare. It's very important. Uh, the next position here, like I said, Want to give all of these the attention that they deserve. I apologize for the length of this video if it gets a little long, but it'll be okay. You, you can watch as much or as little as you want. You can pause it. You can go back to it. You can watch it, uh, you know, watch it in pieces. It's, it's perfectly okay. The next one here is the cleansing position. It's used by the, by the submissive when they know or feel they've committed some sort of offense or actions that deserve formal punishment or something they feel guilty over. It's uh, used uh, a lot like the requesting punishment um, as a tool to tell the dominant that a situation just mentioned exists, that they don't have the courage or the words to express this information to the dominant, but they need to. And so uh, I'm not going to go into a lot of this one because a lot of this is uh, is uh, uh, just like the uh, other position where they are um, the, sorry, the requesting punishment position. I will briefly describe it, though. The submissive... Uh, Typically strips naked before assuming this position. Uh, it um, yeah, to signify uh, being significant to the psychology of using this, this position. Um, once uh, the the sorry the submissive lays face down on the floor, head in the direction of the dominant or the dominant's anticipated return. Legs are closed and crossed at the ankles. With the wrist likewise crossed and the arms are extended away from the head, the face is turned to either side with the cheek resting on the floor and the arms are bent only enough to allow the submissive to breathe while they wait for the dominance in in inevitable question, what did you do? And so this is one of the few positions that are totally at the submissive's discretion if the dominant uh, allows for it. Uh, the own, uh, uh, a submissive can use this position by coming to the dominant and presenting themselves appropriately, or they can opt to assume the position on the floor near the front door 
or the entrance that the dominant will use and remain there until the dominance return. And so, like I said, a lot like the requesting punishment, this is a, uh, this is a type of, uh, this is a type of position um, um, where they are, know that they've done something, where a submissive knows they've done something wrong or thinks they've done something wrong and wants to present it to the dominant. And so let's go to the next one here. Uh, that's an alternative somewhat to the requesting punishment. Uh, the next one here is the uh, table position. Um, uh, all fours or the table, depending on what you want to call it. The position is related to using the submissive as furniture. As the name in indicates, it positions the slave in such a manner that it makes the submissive's back usable as a table. <coughs> Excuse me. This position can be used for many different purposes. In some cases, it's used to deepen the personal service to the dominant through serving as a dominant's table for food or drink. In this case, the act can and often does deepen the in intimacy level between the dominant and the submissive. Even the act of drinking a glass of water can become an act that gives attention to the submissive during what would otherwise be routine and uneventful service. So uh, if the dominant, of course, came in, in a kneeling position and brought the, uh, a glass of water to the, or to the dominant, the submissive, could, the dominant could tell the submissive to get into table position and then use the submissive as the table to hold the glass of water. Uh, in other cases, it can be used as a tool for humiliation and degradation play. Uh, the submissive is reduced to an inanimate object. This will require extreme attention to detail on the submissive's part to avoid spilling something. And as, uh, they're earning punishment on top of the dehumanization. And so uh, the, the usage of this position will vary based on the, what the dominant feels is needed or desired from the submissive service. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, a submissive will be used as a footstool, for instance. The usage of this position will vary based... Uh, okay, in high protocol, a submissive used as furniture is representative uh, of a very high protocol behavior. Public display, displays of such acts also serve as public demonstrations of the dominance training plus the skill and self-discipline of the submissive. Not to mention the submissive's ability to serve in a pleasing manner. The end result complements both the dominant and the submissive if performed well. And so, uh, in those cases, it's not seen as degrading, rather a good example of selfless, devoted service that the submissive should be proud of doing well. Uh, sort of like an honor guard performing a complicated drill with rifles for a crowd of onlookers. When done well, it's impressive. Make a mistake and every eye will be fixed on the submissive to, uh, to find out what will happen next for embarrassing the dominant. And so... It can be a both a prideful and rewarding mode of service or embarrassing with painful ramifications if done incorrectly. And so the submissive assumes a position 
in relation to the dominant as instructed. Uh, typically to the dominant side, um, the submissive, um, uh, the submissive will get on the hands and knees with the knees approximately shoulder width apart and the feet extended from the body in a straight line away from their torso. Hands are palms down with fingers spread to help stabilize the position. The head is lowered till the submissive is looking straight downward. Uh, any long hair is draped around the head towards the floor. Uh, at this point, the submissive will adjust the height of their shoulders and buttocks till the back is fairly level with the goal of being able to place items on the back without them falling off. Uh, although it may look easy, you know, as from an onlooker's perspective, the actual deed is much harder to pull off uh, for more than a few minutes uh, before becoming unstable. So most situations where this position can be used uh, relate to training the submissive in mental self-control or enhancing personal service to the dominant. And so you may also find these at more high-protocol events. Um, in some cases, the submissive is truly used as an inanimate object. The submissive may be placed at some location within a room to serve as a piece of furniture for anyone's use. Um, in these cases, the submissive is not permitted to move, speak, or alter their position until directed by the dominant. So it could be used as a footstool, for instance, like I said, or it could be used as a table. Uh, the dominant could have dinner on the back of the, the submissive. Uh, could uh, just drink a water, put liquid, um, uh, could use the, them as a nightstand, uh, just, you know, any, uh, uh, could put a, a pot of flowers there and use them as a, um, use them as a coffee table, use them as a, uh, uh, you know, as uh, a, just a display, as display piece. And so, Really, it is at the discretion and at the creativity of the dominant. And so the next one here is the bend, or also known as ankles. This position is commonly used in conjunction with the standing presentation position. And during the inspection process, it's used to expose the buttocks, anus, and genital area for a more detailed inspection. Another use would be in, for inserting toys or plugs from a formal position rather than allowing the submissive to sit or lay down to insert them. There are uh, any number of reasons why a dominant would want the submissive to bend. And, you know, it's really just, um, you know, use your imagination and your, it's at the dominant's imagination and creativity. Um, psychologically, you are directing a submissive to bend and you put them in a completely vulnerable and exposed position. The very nature of the angles of their body uh, makes it almost uh, an almost effortless to out overpower them. So they're very vulnerable in this position. Uh, they're really at your mercy. This exposure of the buttocks and genital area makes the most sensitive and private parts of their body exposed in such a way that they can't even see how they might be completely violated at the whim of the dominant, of course, within consent. Uh, in some ways, the bend position 
is a form of mental bondage, their body betraying them by openly inviting any action the dominant may wish to perform upon them. In this case, the submissive is left with only two choices, accept whatever the dominant wishes to do or break the position and defy the dominant through disobedience. This can be an excellent trust-building exercise during rituals uh, where ins- uh, of inspection where every part of the submissive's body is being personally violated or objectified. Uh, in the sensitive nature of this position is not the burden of the submissive alone when implementing it. Uh, you definitely want to... Uh, 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 you don't want to dive into this blindly. You want to use caution. You definitely want to talk about it before you use this position. You want to, uh, uh, again, you'll have done some negotiations. You would have done uh, somewhat of a training contract at least uh, in, and you before using this position, and you will know what is okay to insert and uh, what if they had, um, for instance, if they have a hard limit of, Anything anal, they may not allow a plug or anything. You can still use that to um, inspect the area, but not to necessarily insert anything. And so the the submissive basically stands with their feet at least shoulder width apart, uh, sometimes a little more, to be be, uh, then bending at the waist, reaches down and grasps their ankles, or as close to their ankles as they're able to reach, at least, you know, down to their knees. Uh, within their given body proportions, the head is lowered till they're effectively looking down between their legs and the hair is um, falls around the head. Uh, it'd be really good to have the neck exposed during this one too. The knees may be bent slightly to main balance, uh, maintain balance uh, as this can be really unstable for a lot of people. It's far better to adjust a little and uh, to keep the balance than to fall over. Uh, uh, women usually are able to perform this much easier than men uh, because of their physiology. Uh, once the bend position is assumed, the submissive is to remain motionless until they're released from the position and told to assume a different position. A submissive should expect that the dominant has instructed this position for a reason, uh, be it uh, visual inspection or some sort of physical use or a more intimate inspection. And uh, since this position makes it possible for the submissive to be poked, prodded, or explored, self-control can be an issue that will have to be emotionally worked through by the submissive if they were to do it successfully without breaking the position. Since the position is commonly used in uh, conjunction with inspection, the command rise can sometimes be used to mean rise up and resume the presentation, the standing presentation or the inspection position. So definitely uh, a very intimate, vulnerable position there. Uh, Very good to use to help build um, uh, focus and att- uh, uh, and paying attention and being in the moment, being very present, and uh, definitely a good way to build trust um, and intimacy and to build that bond. And so, 
Uh, next one here is again, the back or the back display. The position back is used as a horizontal inspection position. Uh, it can be used at, uh, right before sexual intercourse or genital play, but it's most commonly used as a means to examine the genital area from a horizontal position. The psychological impact is similar to any other form of personal body inspection. However, given that the key portion of the body displays is the breast and genital areas, um, it becomes obvious to the submissive that there is only one goal with the use of this position, uh, genital uh, use. And so this can be seen as a very degrading and humi hu uh, very degrading and humiliating to some, while exciting to others. Uh, it, in the way it is very similar to the bend position. As always, every dominant and submissive will look at these positions from their own unique emotional perspective. The dominant should be sure which response the submissive is likely to give when using a position like this. The dominant should also be prepared for any negative responses that solicit from the submissive. The slow and often subtle approach of the inspection process can be erotic and enticing to many. It can, uh, uh, it can sometimes leave um, uh, a, a submissive begging to be used sexually before it's over. Uh, the back and the bend positions both objectify the submissive well beyond the normal level of the inspection process. And there's nothing subtle, uh, subtle about the sexual nature of these positions. And so... Basically, the submissive lays on their back with their arms extended to their sides in a 45-degree angle uh, away from, uh, from their sides. Uh, palms are then turned downward the, with the feeder, fingers sorry, extended and spread wide to control involuntary movement. you got to stay still. The submissive then spreads their legs a little wider than shoulder width apart, drawing their feet closer to the body with the soles of the feet planted firmly on the ground. This is so the submissive can get the needed leverage to elevate their buttocks from the ground while hyperextending their pelvic and genital region upwards. This is meant to fully expose the genitals to visual and physical inspection or use. This is a difficult position to hold for more than a few seconds at a time. It'll take some practice. So the command relax or lower may be used to allow the submissive to lower their hips to the ground to regain strength. And then the given, uh, the given command back would, would be to bring them back to that position. Uh, this position may be used for a more detailed uh, genital type examination when conducting an inspection of the submissive. It can also be used as a, to make sure the submissive has groomed according to the dominant's discretion and that the... Um, uh, and it is often also, uh, uh, it can be used if you're into uh, objectification or dehumanization, depending on your, your submissive and your own uh, soft and hard limits. So one more position here. We only got a few more. Uh, the next position here is the crawl position. Uh, 
Uh, crawl, the, the submissive crawl is used as a training tool, uh, especially in pet or puppy training, as well as for punishment. Um, although there, it doesn't, there's numerous possibilities. Um, it can be used anytime the dominant wishes the submissive to crawl rather than walk from one location to another. The use of the crawl command focuses the submissive's mind on even the simplest act of moving around the room. This requires the submissive to use all four limbs to move about, uh, causing service acts like retrieving food or drink to become more difficult. Uh, using proper, uh, used properly, crawling can become very emotionally challenging. When a submissive is made to crawl, they will also feel the dehumanizing effects of being made to move around about in the same manner as a household pet. If the submissive desires that, uh, that they may, uh, that type of dehumanization, if they really like puppy or pet play, they may thrive really in this position. Uh, others may find it somewhat humiliating. Um, when it can be used as a punishment or it can be used when, uh, uh, in a very sexually exciting way, like crawl over to me. Uh, it's really, it is, it is however the dominant uh, instructs it, instructs it to be and how they come in, in what way they command it. And so the submissive assumes a position on their hands and knees with the head up and facing the direction they're to crawl in. As the name indicates, the submissive crawls as directed to, by the dominant However, there are some dominants who prefer that the submissive does more than simply crawl in the easiest way possible. They may desire their submissive to arch their back slightly, causing their buttocks to rise up higher than normal, and uh, some in a more seductive way, exaggerating each movement of their arms and legs. The submissive may also look towards the dominant giving the commands in a sedu seductive manner, as if eye contact is allowed, this making it a more alluring, uh, not just demonstrating obe obedience, but also a passionate compliance. And so kind of like a cat on the prowl. Uh, it can be somewhat uh, predator-ish prey kind of way. Um, there are different rituals and routines that crawling can be integrated into. Some dominants opt to have their the submissive crawl for the final few paces when presenting themselves to a dominant and, you know, crawl up and then get in, the, in a knee position, for instance, or greeting the dominant. Others use it as a means of reminding the submissive of their place. Before you go, head on over and visit our friend Nookie at DatingKinky.com. She's been a longtime supporter and friend of Whips, Chains, and Duct Tape, and she's built a very inclusive service that is Dating Kinky. Built by kinksters, for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla, and it's free. 
But also check out a Plus membership. It gives you access to nine books, three online classes, and over 250 webinar replays. That's nearly 400 hours of kinky education. Plus membership is an amazing deal. You also get access to amazing features like voice and video chat. That's datingkinky.com.